If you'd like to watch your narrator record this episode, Mistakes and All, the video is up now on ericexplains.com. That's Eric, E-R-I-C, explains.com. This is part two of Dumb People with Terrible Ideas on the Capitol Insurrection. If you missed part one, I recommend that you head over to that one first, Chief. I'm your host, Eric Gray. Let's be honest with the American people. It was not an insurrection, and we cannot call it that and be truthful. The Cambridge English Dictionary defines an insurrection as, and I quote, an organized attempt by a group of people to defeat their government and take control of their country, usually by violence. Supporters of the January 6th, 2021 Capitol insurrection have tried to make America disbelieve the evidence provided by our own eyes and ears. I can tell you the House floor was never breached and it was not an insurrection. Let's look at the events of that day from the perspective of the Walmart martyrs, the vanilla ISIS of our democracy, the radical yeehawists that took over the Capitol with the sole intention of a Attracting the praise of the world's most prominent narcissist. This is the truth. There was an undisciplined mob. Initially, the insurrectionists claimed that Antifa or Black Lives Matter were actually the ones to blame. There were some rioters and some who committed acts of vandalism. But Donald Trump himself, a man that autographs Bibles, destroyed that idea by tweeting, We love you, to the rioters on Capitol Hill while they were still in the building on January 6th, demonstrating that even a bullshitter like Donald Trump knew that it was his own supporters fucking things up. But let me be clear, there was no insurrection, and to call it an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold-faced lie. Then the political spin changed to the idea that it wasn't Antifa or Black Lives Matter. In fact, it wasn't even an insurrection. You know, if you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. It was more like a non-violent tourist visit. Just a homely cohort of traveling soccer moms handing out juice boxes and probably sponsored by Target. The media was over-exaggerating the murder Congress thing. And days later, when the Congress people who supported this violent crowd of gravy-scented, COVID-carrying AARP members When they blocked the official bipartisan investigation into January 6th, well, that's that's when America knew that the fix was in. Because if it truly was Antifa that had stormed the Capitol, these politicians would investigate with the white-hot fury of a thousand burning crosses left on the lawn of Colin Kaepernick. And then weeks later, it changed again. Once the waves of arrests proved without any doubt that it was 
In fact, Trump supporters throwing a temper tantrum to destroy democracy. That's when the third version took hold, as they suddenly claimed that Ashley Babbitt was nothing but a young fawn. Wait, you, you, I'm telling you right now, I'm putting all you on notice. Every single one of you politicians led to slaughter with the innocence of Bambi. Maxine Waters suckling on her mama's teat. What the hell are you doing? And that the attackers of our capital who they first claimed were Antifa and are now languishing in jail, well, they are now instead brave, patriotic, political prisoners being denied their rights. And that's what happens when you believe in fantasy instead of facts. Because while facts never change, and your belief in them grounds your motivations to a a bedrock of consistency, those that traffic in political posturing and made-up excuses are always having to recalibrate their bullshit to generate sympathy or cover their tracks instead of simply acknowledging the truth. Did you speak with President Trump on January 6th? Yeah, I mean, I speak. I, I spoke with the president last week. I speak with the president all the time. I spoke with him on January sixth. I mean, I talk with President Trump all the time, and that's that's. I don't think that's unusual. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm I'm actually kind of amazed sometimes that people keep asking this. But of course, I talk with the president all the time. I talk with him, like I said, I talked with him last week. On January sixth, did you speak with him before, during, or after the Capitol was attacked? Uh, I'd have to go. I I I I spoke with him that day after. I think after. I don't know if I spoke with him in the morning or not. I, mean, I, I just don't know. Uh, I'd have to go back and, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know uh, th- that w- when when those conversations happen. But um... Congressman Jim Jordan, who looks like the kid in middle school that tried to fight the teacher and everyone thought was adopted eagerly boasted that he talked to President Trump all the time with such regularity that he suddenly couldn't remember whether, if, or when he talked to him on January 6th. You know, the day his own life was in danger. Now let's suspend belief and acknowledge that perhaps Jim Jordan had succumbed to pepper spray so many times prior while ignoring sexual assault at Ohio State that the smell of it in the air at his place of employment didn't appear memorable to him. And also let's imagine that his flirty booty calls with President Trump happened so frequently that he couldn't keep track of them. But it is impossible to believe that these two occurrences happening at the same time might escape his memory. It's like if Oscar the Grouch set your genitals on fire during a solar eclipse, yet you couldn't remember the details. Congressman Jim Jordan, a man who probably competes in competitive rollerblading in the elderly special needs division, then backtracked and said weeks later, hey, maybe I talked to Trump twice that day, maybe with another congressman present too, I don't know. And Jim Jordan, who's a man with the modesty of a vegan crossfitter into cryptocurrency, is far from the only congressperson with amnesia regarding the actions of January 6th. 
the minority leader in the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, a man who has absolutely jerked off to a Sting album, also provided comic relief by changing his story once the violence had passed. In January, he said this. Some say the riots were caused by Antifa. There is absolutely no evidence of that. And conservatives should be the first to say so. That doesn't mean the president is free from fault. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress by mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he saw what was unfolding. And weeks later, he said this. Do you believe that President, former President Trump uh, provoked? I don't believe he provoked if you listen to what he said at the rally. Senator Lindsey Graham, a middle-aged man with teenager shoulders, said this about Trump shortly after the insurrection. Uh, Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it being this way. Oh my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see. All I can say is uh, count me out, enough is enough. And weeks later, he said this about Trump. I could say, you know, that's it, it's over, it's done. That's just too easy. If your moral compass doesn't point north, but instead points to a person or an ideology, your moral compass isn't a compass anymore. It becomes a stopwatch that can point in any direction, really. If the person holding it just keeps clicking it often enough. To those trying to whitewash history to further their selfish goals, the insurrection has become not a threat to our democracy, mind you, but a parade of excuses and foggy memories. To them, it's a game. They win if they make you and the rest of America forget what happened. They want you to forget the nearly 200 injuries and several deaths and the carnage and the feces smeared on the walls and the hanging noose built outside. They want you to remember a giant video game. Let's call it Honky Kong, where instead of Mario, it was a Karen attempting to maneuver up the Capitol steps and inauguration scaffolding while Antifa threw barrels of tear gas and food stamps from Nancy Pelosi's balcony, all to save their damsel in distress, Princess Donald Trump, a man with the demeanor of King Joffrey, who couldn't make a dollar running a fucking casino in Atlantic City. But let's circle back to Ashley Babbitt and the response from Fox News' own trout-mouthed super prick Tucker Carlson. Oh, she was posing a threat. Well, let's see, she was 5'2". She was unarmed. There were armed police and tactical gear standing right next to her on the other side of the door. And of course, within the chamber where Michael Byrd was. 
She was not warned. The tape shows that. She was just executed, but she was a threat. That's what he's telling you. Now you'd think the fact, again, Ashley Babbitt was a female who was 5'2", weighed 125 pounds soaking wet and had no weapon, might have suggested that she wasn't a threat. But according to Michael Byrd, no, never occurred to him. Old Tucker Carlson is a Second Amendment nut that passionately believes Americans have the right, no, the duty to carry guns and protect their homes and families themselves. And if attacked or threatened, it's okay to start out guns a-blazin', no matter if the person you're aiming for is short or tall, armed or not, or even if they're black or slightly less black. And while that doesn't necessarily apply to the police, if this exact same thing happened elsewhere, in your town, let's say, at a local school or a shopping mall, or God forbid, your own home, thousands of people breaking down the place, walking around with a spear and zip ties and building a noose outside, Tucker would be the first to shoot first and ask questions later before pounding a sixer of White Claw at the Catalina wine mixer. Whether Ashley Babbitt was armed has nothing to do with it. So she was an unarmed protester. I don't think we execute unarmed protesters, do we? Well, we just did. No one has apologized for it. He's a hero. The police execute unarmed people all the time. Do you watch the news, Tucker? And calling her merely a protester underestimates the other thousands of Larrys, Daryls, and Daryls behind her that were also trying to murder Congress. Officer Michael Byrd didn't know if anyone in the mob had weapons or not, and he didn't know how many there were. All he knew was that a significant number of fucknuts had forced their way in and were barreling into a locked and barricaded door, protecting a room with a bunch of Congress members and a vice president with the nuclear launch codes in it. Pulling the trigger to stop an insurrection is courageous. If we live in a country where we let that pass, that's courage? No, that's not courage. I mean, we can argue about whether it was justified or not. Notice nobody is arguing. People are just praising him, including Republican members of Congress who should be ashamed of themselves. But if we call that courage, we've devalued the term. Well, let's look at the opposite of that situation then. A different Capitol Police officer has been charged with telling protesters during the insurrection live exactly where the secret and secure location was that lawmakers and the vice president were being moved to. Is that courageous? Because that guy has federal charges, while Officer Michael Byrd has been cleared of federal charges. Also, there were a thousand instances of assaults on the police that day. Where is your sense of outrage there? 
It seems like Tucker Carlson's fondness to back the blue only applies when it's some black kid in a hoodie walking in his own neighborhood. Not when it's a shitload of misguided white supremacists raw-dogging democracy to defend a rich, pepperoni-nippled New York whoremonger who somehow became the hero for poor folks who work at the dollar store. Meanwhile, Eric Garner was murdered for selling single cigarettes on the sidewalk. The seditionists have resentments that are real. Low wages, high medical bills. An explosion in consumer and educational debt combined with a lockdown that suffocated the economy for an entire year. Those are real problems that should be fixed. But not even one of these local yokels fouling the capital with their meth breath articulated those reasons. Instead, it was all because their golden idol, the only president in history to have lost the popular vote twice, refused to accept the results of the election. Because the insurrectionists can prevent themselves from catching COVID if they wanted. But there is no vaccine against stupidity. There is no pleasure in having to point out where Donald Trump and his followers immorally touched the doll of democracy. When it comes to assaulting the institutions of our nation, the laws of our land, and the Constitution, Trump is always DTF. And while the prospect of being a lifetime dictator makes Trump wetter than an otter's pocket, his tyranny of the minority has been defeated temporarily. Because now the insurrectionists have learned that no doesn't really mean no, and consent is merely a suggestion, and that it's better to be strong and wrong rather than weak and right. Time will tell if this was a one-time thing or if it was just a practice run. Let's hope I don't have to do a fucking part three. That's a wrap on season one, episode 12 of Dumb People with Terrible Ideas on the Capitol Insurrection, part two. This podcast was produced and performed by Eric Gray. If you like what you hear, do me a favor. Tell your friends, tell your family, let folks know about Dumb People with Terrible Ideas, and I will be eternally grateful. Need more info on anything you hear here? Hear here. That's a weird way to say that. Go to the website, ericexplains.com. That's eric, E-R-I-C, explains.com. Thanks for listening. See you soon.